Ben, have you ever put your tongue to a nine volt battery? Is the nine volt battery like the square one, like the yes. rectangle ones? Yes. yes, of course. So, can you explain for us in the audience what that experience is like? It's a little bit of a shock, followed by like just like a metallic taste. Oh, so right, the metallic taste. Okay. Yes. Um, is it like one of those things where like if you haven't done it, you probably should try it at least once? Yes. Okay. I feel attacked right now. <laughs> Have you ever had a kumquat? I haven't. So kumquats are a very unusual but delicious, in my opinion, citrus. They're small. You eat them rind and all. So, or like, okay. you know, so you just put pop the whole yeah. little thing, like a little ball in your mouth. Okay. And, and then you chew. And it's very, very tart. Um, and then the rind actually is sweet. And so it cuts that tart. It's like, it's basically, it's Sour Patch Kids, but okay. in, but in, in God's candy form. And <laughs> it, it, it is, when they're not particularly ripe, but they're still very good, but in general, it's, it leaves that metallic taste that okay. a nine volt battery leaves, which so, doesn't were you sell anybody on it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, were you trying to convince Alex to tongue a battery or something? Yes. Yes, she he, was. Got it. He does not want to do that, and I don't understand why not. I feel like there are things that you experience as kids that you're like, oh, I'm glad I did that just to, like, do it, but it, you don't do them as an adult. Yeah, sure. I, I miss the train. I miss the boat. Yeah. It's fine. I'll never know what it's <sighs> like, and I can live my life happy. To A similar thing that I did, I mean, it's kind of like, Chewing on a honeysuckle. You're like, I don't know whoever told you, like, chew on a honeysuckle. And it's actually really delicious. But mm -hmm. you're not going to do it as an adult actively unless you have a deficit or pica. But, like, I used to suck on the heads of matches. Okay, that's weird. It is weird. Someone told me to do that. And so I actively did that. Like, whenever I would ask my mom to get a pack of matches from 7-Eleven or Altadena drive-thru store and suck on the heads of matches. How That can't be healthy. It's not! What did it taste like? <laughs> sour. Okay. So it had like a um, a sour vibe to it. Okay. I yeah. feel like, is it like red phosphorus or something they, they used to put in there that was... I'm pretty sure is is definitely poisonous. Well, it was the white headed matches. Oh, the ones with the little tip. Yeah, like, like you the know, strike the, anywhere. Well, not even. Um, God, I would hope not if they're in her mouth. <laughs> <laughs> that's really that's really good, uh, folks. Welcome to another episode of Podcast of the Rings. I'm Jessica Linverdi. I'm joined as ever by Alexander Mitchell and Ben Goddard. Welcome. Hi. Hello. Leave your oh. comments below of how matches taste to you. Oh my god. There's <laughs> there's another version of that story that's not matches but a different thing that I just I'll just save for another day. Uh but but it was like one of those things that I had like an awakening a couple years ago and I was like that's not normal. <laughs> and no. like I, cuz I forgot that I did it and then all of a sudden I remembered. I was like, "Oh yeah, I used to suck on matches." <laughs> It's like when you tell your friends about something you used to do as a kid and thinking it's, oh, yeah, everyone does this. And they're like, what are you talking about? What, yeah. Huh? 
hun- that is it 100% except I had that realization in the middle of the night like you know having an existential crisis essentially folks speaking of existential crisis wait desolation is another big word and we are <laughs> talk we're wrapping up conversations what a segue it was so good we're wrapping up conversations on the desolation of smaug by peter jackson if you've been following along we are this is now our fourth episode in this series with ben goddard talking about the movie uh the live action film the hobbit the films i should say and we 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 went through part one of desolation of smaug last week and so here we are wrapping out this movie um i think this is my opinion and maybe I'm wrong, but I think the best and worst parts of this movie exist in the last part of this movie. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The, the, the wheels kind of start to fall off the wagon, but what we alluded to last week is you get an amazing sequence sort of right towards the end. So it's, yes. you take the good with the bad. I mean, the, do you, this. do you have to anyway, let's get into it. Um, before we do, Alex Vamp, because we forgot this last week. And I, yes. And I almost did, too. Hold on one second. Oh, the tarot cards. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. So normally on this program, we have a weekly segment where uh, a tarot card is pulled from the lovely Lord of the Rings themed tarot deck. And maybe it will relate to uh, the film we just watched. Maybe it will relate to something going on in our lives. Maybe it will relate to what sucking we're talk on about. matches. Yeah, sucking on matches, uh, kumquats, who knows? Whole, nothing will relate to that, <laughs> by the way. Nothing. Oh, it's no, my sweet cat. Is singular just experience. <laughs> it's okay. You're a big girl. I know. You guys, this is, it's, it's, it's a menagerie of cats over here. Okay. So, uh, Ben, while I'm shuffling, question, and I don't know if I've asked you this yet, what are your feelings on, like, tarot in general or some, like, mystical uh, star alignment, you know, astrology um, things? I think they can be interesting. Um, like anything, if you allow it to completely dictate your life, I think that's not smart. And that goes, like, with anything, anything that you allow, like, rather than, like, rational thought. But I think it can be interesting. Like, there's different connections that I find interesting and stuff. Yeah. But I don't know. I haven't I haven't really looked enough, especially tarot. Tarot, I have not looked in into enough to, like, make a judgment really either way, honestly. Yeah. I, I There was a time where I don't know that it made me change my opinion or how I approach things, but I, I was, like, actively paying online to get tarot reads so mm. that I could get comfort. And I think that that was my version of, like, a Scientology. religion. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that also. <laughs> but I think I was looking – I was seeking comfort in, like, having some unknowns figured out, whereas, like, maybe someone who believes in, you know – you know christianity goes it's all gonna be fine because god's got my back i didn't i didn't have that like belief behind me and so i wanted something else like an outside source to offer that to me if that makes sense but i've since 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 then just enjoy enjoy the fun coincidences and think the universe might might want to tell you something but nothing is going to change your life all right ben i'm going to spread them out and when you tell me to stop i'm going to stop and that's going to be the card so whenever you're ready 
Spread, 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 spread. Stop. Ooh. Let's see. They, they do a good job on this deck where you can't tell which side is up or down. And this, my friends, it's to swords. We've gotten swords a lot, haven't we? We got Faramir last time, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah, Seven of Swords is this one. Give me a moment while I... (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Consult the chart. For the listeners, she is unfolding a literal treasure map. Oh, they can hear it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay, upright. It was upright. The... Seven of Swords finds you with Worm Tongue Wisp. We did get this one before, I think. That's right. With oh. worm, I do remember that. Yeah. yeah. With Worm Tongue whispering in your ear, his words steeped in betrayal, you have likely discovered that some of your allies are really opponents, making you wonder if there's anyone you can trust. And there is yourself. Think strategically and keep your own interests top of mind. That's actually odd that we, out of however many cards. And... I would say very fitting for the first little bit of the movie we're going to be talking about. Yes. With scheming and betrayal. We get a Walmart uh, worm tongue in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) We have worm tongue at home. You know what? Worm tongue at home, yeah. At the end of the film that... Uh, I did say to myself, I was like, oh, he's worm tongue. <laughs> yes. Like, I, I realized that that's what they were trying to convey. And they also tried to convey it by giving him no eyebrows, wherein um, Brad Dorif has, uh, they gave him too much eyebrows, and Brad Dorif has no eyebrows. So they were really trying to be like, oh, look at this cool different choice we're making with the same character. Yeah. So, Ben, let's just jump into that then. Why don't we like him? Uh, my first note, like I, you know, wrote notes about this, and I think I said in my notes earlier when they're wandering around the forest, this is where the movie kind of falls off. And my first note here is, wait, never mind. Alfred gets introduced. This is where the movie falls off. Um, yeah. <laughs> Alfred Lickspittle. His name is Alfred. Alfred, yeah. Lickspittle is the last name, which is Lickspittle. Just... Yeah. Well, I mean, he. It, it, Stephen Fry literally eats a ball. So it's <laughs> oh, like yeah. there are worse things than lick spittle. God, man, just everything about this character and for how I, I, I'm i okay with, in general with like, oh, they don't like Bard because he's not the master of Lake Town, but everyone looks up to him. So, you know, he's politically threatening. I like that angle in a vacuum. How it's executed is so boring so drawn out, so pointless. Like, I, not everyone needs to be, you can't have two Aragorns. You can't have two Aragorns in one movie. You can't have Thorin be Aragorn, and then you can't have Bard also be Aragorn while the Master of Lake Town is like the Denethor or something like that. Like, you can't have... You can't also be, yeah, Theoden. You can't have, like, the reluctant leader that everybody looks up to but doesn't want the, the crown or whatever they're doing. And then Alfred himself is just so annoying. He's not menacing in any way like Wormtongue is. He doesn't seem smart or capable in any way. And I, Jess has not watched Battle of the Five Armies. He just sticks around and he just he, – he, he overstays his welcome in so many ways in this, in this <laughs> series. I don't know what Peter Jackson – he must have been – you know, we said last week – where like, oh, they were writing script on the day of or something. Like he must have been good at riffing, and Peter was just like, perfect. We'll keep him in the movie or something. Sure. Yeah. But I just I don't know why they kept this character around for s- literally the the rest of these two movies. He's right. around. 
Are we saying, are we actually thinking that Thorin is the Aragorn archetype? Because he's so unlikable. It, it it's that it's like what Ben's saying. It's you have this uh, person who's returning and becoming king, I and see. so that's the kind of archetypal story you have going on with Thorin. Despite the differences, uh, Thorin obviously is not uh, as reluctant as Aragorn is, but the similarities are definitely there. I mean, when you know, think back to the first movie when you have him looking out over um, when they're when they're just setting out and they're telling the story of the you know, the Battle of Moria and everything. Mm-hmm. It's a very, he's he's very kingly in that moment. I think they're uh, at Weathertop too, aren't they? Oh no, uh, Azog is. Azog's at Weathertop. Yeah, they're right. they're close by. Yeah. But um, it, it that that kind of scene. Um, so, so yeah, then, I would say Thorin is is the Aragorn archetype of, of, this, uh, of this tale. So like, I'm going to advocate for the devil once again, but like with, um, like let's take, the re- what's what's the beginning of the episode uh, eight for the Star Wars when they brought Ray into things? What's the name? Force of Awakens. That? Force Awakens. Yeah, the Force Awakens. No, it- the episode eight is Last Jedi. Yeah, seven is the beginning of the new trilogy. Uh, thank yeah. you. Wait. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, yes. I'm yeah, it's seven, eight, nine. Yeah. Seven, eight, nine. Um, I was trying to get it so right and be so cool. Um, so the Force Awakens, um, it is a retelling. Of the first movie, you know what I mean, the Return of the Jedi. What's his, wait? What's the first one? A New Hope. New Hope. I'm good night, everybody. I don't know. Just I Star Wars. If you're a, yeah, yeah, a pedant Wars. about Star it. Wars, Star Wars Episode Four. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's it is a retelling, so it can be done when you're like, I would like to hearken back to these archetypes that are it's archetypes, archetypes, yeah. archetypes. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I yeah. Uh, I heard someone like get mad at somebody for saying archetypes but whatever um so you can do it where it's like oh wait ray is luke and didn't and came from nowhere and and that's okay mm-hmm. but you're totally right where it, it it's it's just because it's not good writing in general that it actually doesn't work um but the it maybe we don't realize that bard is actually faramir you would compare him more to Faramir? Well, maybe that was what they were trying to do, and they failed. I think they were trying to split the difference a little bit with, like, they, they know that Thorin is supposed to be, like, you know, the, the return of their king. And then they're like, oh, well, he's not a reluctant king. He wants to be king, and he like, feels like he's owed this. So we're going to – and I, I don't know if, like, on the cutting room floor, Thorin and Bard interact more, and maybe Bard bestows some, like, reluctant wisdom onto him or something of, like, what it means to truly be a leader. Or if there was more interactions with Balin about that. But, you know, Thorin doesn't learn anything until, like, th- this trilogy's 80% done. Um, if not more, I'm sure. I mean, according yeah. to the book, he doesn't learn anything until after he, yeah. you know, he's about to die. And so it's like, I don't know if he was supposed to impart some wisdom onto Thorin, Bard that is, but it just, it seems like such a mess because I, like I said last week, I genuinely love Luke Evans in this role. And I think he, he is, him and Evangeline Lilly are trying to do whatever they can with the material they are given and they are working overtime, but they're just not given much. And especially with all this lake town politics which i just this feels like a star wars prequel thing where it's like Mm -hmm. i understand what george lucas was trying to do 
with like, oh, hey, how did we get here? How did the, the Jedi fall? How did, you know, Palpatine take over from within? There are interesting parts of the prequels, but even the biggest prequel defender, like Attack of the Clones is just so boring and monotonous and like, Look at Game of Thrones. You can make political intrigue really exciting and like thrilling and cloak and dagger. And none of that is here or in right. Star Wars, the prequels. Right. right. Yeah. Just because they're they're They have so little to draw on from the source material. There, There is a tiny little nugget about the master in uh, in the book, mm-hmm. but there's not really enough to draw that out into a whole subplot that spans one and a half movies or one movie essentially. There yeah. is though, if you do it well and you let the characterization do the work as opposed to explaining things like sure. Stephen Fry as the master is perfect casting. Mm-hmm. It, it It's exactly who I would picture while reading the book. And it would make sense that he has a lackey, but don't like let Stephen Fry just be good at being Stephen Fry instead of like I think I think it comes down to getting bogged like bogged down in plot and and stuff like that like so this is like one of the things we talked about with our improv company it does people don't care about the story of how sometimes like we need a little bit of like clarification oh how did it happen that you happened to be at disneyland at the same time the love of your life did oh because it's my birthday great we have enough plot now but Mm -hmm. they don't care about a rom-com because of like everything works out perfectly they care because the characters are charming yeah yes and their situations relatable and bard does win us over with like oh his wife's dead cool but like we don't understand or care about these people enough to yeah. to get to 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 buy into what's going at, on. at least enough to justify the screen time i think sure yeah uh because yeah it it's it's just not there's not enough meat on the bone for me like have some fun moments but it's just too much and again this it goes back to what we were saying what we've said many times is it should have been two films and it just truncate it and you're good I think when yeah. we wrap out uh, this series at the end of it, we could talk about like, what do we need? What would the two movies have been? Yeah. And, and what didn't we need? Yeah. And because like there is interesting stuff when we're skipping ahead a little bit, when we find out that Girion is mm-hmm. Bard's, uh, you know, forefather. And he was the one that like kept shooting the, the bolt and like kept missing. And then like, Oh, which I, I find hilarious when they get into Lake Town and then the son was like, well, if you knew that, you'd know that he loosed a scale and he needed one more shot. And Dwan goes, that's just a tall tale. Are you kidding? We live in a world <laughs> with like, this just, you just saw stone giants fight each other, <laughs> peeling themselves off mountains, but a dragon scale being loosened and is possible. No, no, no. That's a bridge too far, young child. Hush now. The uh, just like the way he just like so just condescending, like <laughs> that's just you silly a tall humans. tale. Yeah. You silly girl. It's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, oh geez. Can Maybe... you do anything likable, Dwalin? No, he can't. <laughs> he really He's can't. A... Because, like, you know what it is? We need to hate someone more than Thorin. Yeah. Like, we really need to go, okay, let's have someone worse than him. No, it's so annoying. And I'm, I vacillate, like, do I like that they know that there's a loosed scale? 
Do I like that they know that ahead of time? Isn't it better when Bilbo figures that out? But well, I guess there's it, no other way to get that information out it, there. It is it is sort of in keeping with the canon that that was like a legend passed down yeah. in the people of Lake Town. I don't remember that being... When the, the, the narrator gives basically what we find out through the different characters in the movie uh, adaptation, um, the narrator gives us in the book, and the, the scale is included there. And then when... Uh, I don't remember that. When Bilbo goes to talk with Smaug, he then sees it. I see. I don't so he, remember that So he's then all. able to relay the exact location to Bard via the the thrush later on. Um, cool. Because that bit, bit of information, obviously they wouldn't have known where the scale was, you know. Uh, <laughs> what did we think about... Because I I was kind of uh, mixed feelings on the and we'll we'll see it later, but the the ballista being you know the the black arrow being handed down from Girion wasn't enough. It had to be a massive you know weapon and this thing on top of a tower. Um, it so just like why that... why did we need to why did we need to upgrade that? Here's you know? why I think I agree with you on this because that cool. Black Arrow, big, you know, mechanical bow thing. They don't. They don't just have that on a whim. Like, hey, let's have this cool thing on our lake. Like, right? They, like, that's. It's a dragon slaying machine, and you're like, oh, just in case a dragon shows up, <laughs> like you have this, this thing. That, I, I guess, think that's yeah. the, that's the stretch for me. Is like, why why do you have this incredible? No, what, it's how it's a was stretch. that a stretch to like. They have a dwarvish wind lance right there. I'm sorry if it's like saying, I don't know. That's like having anti-aircraft guns during the blitz. Like, of course you're going to have that. But they didn't know that there was a, wait, hold on, hold on. Help me then. Because I thought we're talking about them having like, why do they have this machine that could loose a black arrow? What oh, is the black in the, arrow? In the, in the, the, like the, the prologue. Why did originally yeah. Erebor have one? Yeah. Okay. That I I I don't know that they just have that. I'm <laughs> That's sure. That's what I'm saying. Like the dwarves got like, bored, and we're I like, you meant like, why did Lake Town have it? I was like, are you kidding? Like it's right. There's one right there. Well, no, but that's like when they shot it to begin with. Okay. Like no one should have had dragon. You know, now don't get me wrong. Yes, have being an maybe engineer for the eagles. You know, uh, Lake Town's always had problem <laughs> with. Hey, yeah. like, you know, that's part of the book. Eagles. That's, that's yeah. why the eagles don't, like, go around there because yeah. they're always taking the livestock from Lake Town and Erebor. So maybe that's what they're for because, like, I'm sure eagles can't be taken down with just regular arrows. Like You're taking a, you're taking a, a page from Alex's stretching book right now. <laughs> but I actually like it, and it's good. It's great. <laughs> it's good. That, that's and my I head mean, like, canon now. Have you looked at America? Why do we need half the weapons that we have right now? Like... Have you seen the craziness that some of those doomsday prepper guys True. have? Like, like I'm not surprised that a thriving town like that just had a bunch of amazing dwarvish crafters, which is like, you know what? Build us, build us a, a wind lance. 
Yeah, Erebor is the America of Middle Earth. Oh, no. Basically. Yeah, the military industrial complex was strong during yeah. the You never know, rain. like, uh, doesn't uh, Bilbo say, like, what draws a dragon is, like, great gold and stuff like that? So maybe they kind of, like, they knew. They were, they knew they were that, like, yeah. they, you know, with how vast the riches they they had like you see which it will get to it how they ever thought bilbo was supposed to find <laughs> the the arkenstone in a literal city like scrooge mcduck would blush <laughs> at the amount of treasure is in this mountain um but uh but like it's insane but just like yeah they have an exorbitant amount of wealth so maybe they thought that better safe than sorry and they tried us three reasons as to why and that sells me on it alone that's good i'm good with it but but it is like uh okay anyway no you're right you're right i'm wrong i'm an idiot moving on um what's next so so oh go ahead alex go ahead we had uh, our introduction to Alfred, uh, Bard sneaking the dwarves in these barrels full of fish, nearly getting exposed, and then Bard uh, pulling the. Are, do you want the town townsfolk to to know that you uh, just dumped some perfectly good food in the water? Clearly, uh, there's unrest there. Um, then we get an amazing shot of cute little pugs, um, and then we we get our introduction to uh, Stephen Fry as the master and the aforementioned uh ball gobbling scene uh which is just does lovely. it happen before then that bard sneaks them through the town and then gets caught that happens right after the ball gobbling scene. okay great we'll wait then i'll wait because let's just let's luxuriate just in this yeah i want to know because and lord knows i'm not gonna research this did he actually eat some balls because that looks foul it I, like I literally have how Jess feels about the Goblin King is how I feel about the master eating goat balls. <laughs> and the fact that he's like, it's one thing for him to be like, and then he's like picking it out of his teeth. Like it's just the gristle. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's so it's rough. dripping in slime. It's, just, it's not like, I don't even know what the point is here. I mean, again, it's great because it's Stephen Fry, but it's yeah. also awful because it's Stephen Fry. It's like, yeah. What are you what's Also the this point? is like a children's story. I know I know that there's violence and these are PG-13 movies, but why are you going to have someone just eating balls on screen? Admit yeah. I, it's it's a bold choice that I don't understand that I think they were trying to play this for comic relief obviously, especially with the way the the cut is to Alfred when he says bollocks, Saya, right? Like it's supposed to be this funny joke. Yeah. But it's just disgusting. Like it does not <laughs> land the way they wanted it to. I, you know what, though? If anything, Stephen Fry can say at the end of his career, I ate balls on screen. <laughs> yeah. And that makes sense to, like, you know, Stephen Fry, actually, I really respect him so much, as most people do. He, speaking as to one of the reasons why I'm uh, atheistic or at least agnostic, he's like, how could there be a god if uh, this god lets people, children starve and be killed? Like, and honestly, I'm like, yeah, that's a pretty great reason to not believe in a god. But that's just me been totally tangential so we got him eating some balls it's absolutely horrible and then bard's like let me sneak you through town so no one sees you very obviously <laughs> this this is another thing this is extended version this is not in the theatrical cut ah. in the theatrical cut they're like how are we going to get in and they come up straight through the toilet 
and and this is like this is where the, the extended cut makes no sense literally half the town sees them guards see them and like are these guards unconscious all the <laughs> way until the dwarves are imprisoned or like uh, brought before the master like is that what we're supposed to believe that they're like knocked out for literal 12 hours I, I would if if we're playing the game of let's explain the the only possible rational explanation uh clearly when it cuts away after all the townsfolk you know do the whole oh we're gonna help out the our hero bard and like cover with the baskets and yeah you know do all the cutesy stuff um clearly they drag them and slit their throats and then just dump yeah, the just bodies into in the, the lake in the lake yeah there's yeah, a lot of we, bodies we in that to, lake for sure. Yeah, we didn't get to see that, but it definitely happened. Otherwise, it makes no sense. It's yeah, the like dumbest. The, this is where, like, the extended version, like, it just it increases the lovability of Lord of the Rings, and in this one, it just like it's to its detriment. Where it's just like, okay, just logically, why would you have half the town, like, because in the theatrical cut, like, when he goes and sees the the blanket of explaining all of the, the dwarvish uh, legacy. Someone's like, Oh, I saw dwarves. And you're like, Oh yeah, maybe someone did see them like on their way in or something like that. But in this, it's like, no, the entire, they went through the market. Like they went through the main, they went through the main market in the, like they went, they walked through downtown Lake town, <laughs> yeah. like on their way to Bard's house. It's don't like, even what? say that we're like going to hide you either. Yeah. Like, just don't say that. Just like, do a sequence where it's like, all right, now we got to get you this way. Like, okay, like just, just move. Yeah. Right. I, yeah, again, it, it's like the showing, not knowing thing. I, I think the, the point of the scene is to increase Bard's likability by showing that all the townsfolk have his back no matter what. Yeah. But it just doesn't make logical sense uh, with what comes later with, you know, how the dwarves get revealed and stuff. So. I get what they were going for with trying to show, oh, everybody loves Bard. They're going to help him out no matter what, even if he's bringing these creepy, weird dwarves uh, yeah. that smell like fish through our, our marketplace. Um, and then we also get the moment where Bard uh, pokes fun at the guard by holding up the sort of lingerie piece. Uh, oh, oh, I yeah, think I got this like for it. your wife. Yeah. So, well, and that's just it, though. It's, it, the reason why it doesn't, they don't stick to landing is exactly what your point is like how they get revealed yeah like thorn wouldn't just come out i'm here or whatever like it then you just wasted our time mm -hmm. that yeah. way and i guess that's where it gets frustrating for me anyway so they they hang out at bard's house Meet the kids who don't know how to say dad. Well, before before oh. we get well, inside, someone else drive the bus, please. <laughs> uh, before we get inside, we have oh no, because they're uh, they can't go. That we get the cut to the the them coming up through the toilet, and Bard is like, oh hey, tell the master I'm home. We have that spy network, and we get the uh, cameo by Stephen Colbert as the guy with the eye patch. That's sort right, of moving the the fishing pole or whatever. Or knocking, knocking a lantern on something. I don't know, whatever. But yeah. we get a, a cool Stephen Colbert cameo. Good for him. He's a massive Lord of the Rings nerd, and he's doing great work for the Lord of the Rings nerd uh, fandom. So props <laughs> yeah, to him. He, exactly. I was very happy seeing that. Like it was, it was honestly less obvious than Peter Jackson's own carrot eating cameo for at least mm -hmm. for me. I was going to uh, say, like he's how in would makeup. You know it's him. Yeah, like he's in makeup, and then he immediately flips an eye patch down. So, by the way, what a subtle 
like hint or like sign to like you have to have some eagle-eyed spies to be like oh his eye patch is down okay like all right yeah <laughs> bards turn the corner uh <laughs> but I, I was okay with this one like I, I know everyone knows how big of a fan he is so i was like yeah this is a nice little a little cameo i remember when game of thrones when ed sheeran like was on there like he had to like delete his social media because people are so awful about it like oh oh, yeah people are terrible yeah they were really bad about it when like he wasn't like the focus of the scene he's like yeah dude it's just if i was famous i like you know daniel craig was a stormtrooper i'd do that too was he yeah, yep. in Force Awakens, um, he's when, she, uh, when Ray's getting interrogated. Yeah, when when she does the the Jedi mind trick on him, that's Daniel Craig. Is 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 he wearing a mask? Yeah, I see. You just so you, you just hear his voice. That's sick. Yeah, yeah. That's was he that was he a big actor at that point? Oh yeah, he had done like three Bond movies by oh, that okay, time. Okay, yeah. okay. Crazy. Good for him. Yeah, like why wouldn't you pull your cash? Exactly. In, you know? Whatever. People suck. Everyone just like wants to, you know, poop in their Cheerios. So exactly. There's there's plenty of other criticisms we have for this movie. Stephen Colbert cameo. Not one of them. Not one. No, totally. All right. Now we get to meet Bard's stupid kids (laughs) who can't say the word dad or father. And uh, it it (laughs) is another Jackson. It's the eldest. uh, The eldest daughter is uh, Peter Jackson's daughter. Oh, mm-hmm. it is? I didn't know that. I, I'm pretty sure, because she was oh, yeah. in... She was, like, one of the Hobbit kids in the trilogy, and the, in the original trilogy, and then she was also later, I think, in Minas Tirith as a kid. Uh, oh, so she's okay. had a couple cameos in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and now she has a... a Man, I would not want to be a kid role. in Minas Tirith in that movie. Good Lord. Uh, no, not a good lot. Not... <laughs> yeah. Uh, Wait, I, is it her? I don't know if it is her. It might not be her. It looks like I th- I thought it was one of the kids. Maybe it's the younger one. Maybe, but because I'm looking at it right now, you, you keep on going. We're good. okay. Um, but it's I can't remember which of the which of Bard's daughters uh, says this line, but I really enjoyed it when the dwarves are coming up. She's like, "Oh, it's dwarves. Will they bring us luck?" I Just do, like, I love that too. The idea of dwar like there's a myth or legend in in Lake Town that dwarves coming through your toilet will bring you luck. Is just hilarious to me. But yeah, just of course, like, of course, one of the dwarves, like, they're coming up through the toilet, and one of the dwarves, like, has to, I don't know if it's a dwarf or Bilbo that has to, like, spit water out. And I'm like, oh, like, why is there so much toilet humor at, like, in the, in this movie? Just like the ball eating with, like, the, the sinew of the meat and then just, like, spitting out toilet water. It's like, guys, like, Oh my gosh. The worst. Yeah, they're, they're like, okay, uh, we're halfway through the movie. Any kids watching this will be really bored at this point. We got to get them. We got to yeah. hook the, the 10 year somehow. toilets. We got it. <laughs> um, yeah, and then this is where after they come up and they're settled bard um, and them talk and we get the uh, Thorin spots the Windlands that we talked about before mm-hmm. and we get the flashback to uh, Girion shooting Smaug with a black arrow and then and the kid saying, oh yeah, we all know the legend and it being written off. Uh, yes. And I have in my notes, I love that they're still withholding Smaug. You still yes. don't know what he looks like. And I love that. The restraint of at least, th- like if they just showed the, the restraint that they have for Smaug 
until he's revealed that they have for the rest of this with like Alfred and the runtime, then it would have been so much better because Jackson knew he had the ace in the hole. He had the ace up his sleeve. He was holding the winning card with Benedict Cumberbatch's smile and he was going to wait until the last moment to reveal him. And I do love that. So I do give the movie credit for that. So um, just to go back, uh, Katie Jackson plays Betsy Butterbur, not the daughter of Bart. Oh, okay. So she is in it. Peggy Nesbitt is the daughter. Okay. I I misremembered that then. I thought it was her. It looks like her. They have some similar... You just think all girls look alike, Alex. Yeah. Sue me. No, they have some similar like (laughs) doe-eyed, you know... Yeah, the hair, the curly hair. For sure. Um, um, so yes, I think I'm with you that like we don't know what Smaug is, and that du- like even Alex and I waiting to get to that moment because I haven't seen this movie. I was like, oh, I just I just can't wait. <laughs> now they did yeah. they did wet my appetite with that. Well, yeah, they did a great job, and like you know, in the I haven't seen the Rankin and Bass Hobbit in so long, and it's like he's very cat like with like his yeah. eye beams. It's wild. Like, it like, was, he has, like, it, whiskers and yeah. stuff, too. Yeah, and so, like, I didn't mind the design, but, you know, like, we've had Aragon, we've had Game of Thrones, we've had a lot of dragons in media for a while now, and this was the big hype, is that, like, Peter Jackson was like, this is the best dragon ever put to screen, and so I was really looking forward to it. Great. So they get bad weapons from Bard. Yes, they yes. they're looking for forged iron, and he has none to give. They're uh, so ungrateful. <laughs> they're just, yeah, they're used to the creature comforts of uh, dwarvish living, and Lake Town doesn't have it. They're yeah. so I don't I just get more and more angry with them. <laughs> to to be fair, if you knew you were about to potentially face a dragon, and someone handed you like a spade or a hoe, uh, you'd probably be a little bit put off like look i'm gonna die if i can't defend myself right so i have some sympathy they're going up against smaug yeah right? but they've they been the ungrateful this get. entire time and also it's like thorin was there an entire dwarvish army got decimated right along with a human army you know whatever was an erebor like it uh oh no what what am i th- what am I thinking? What's the what's the human town? The de- what's the desolation? Dale, uh, Dale, oh, Dale, Dale. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So like Dale and Erebor were both like decimated within minutes, and so it's like oh, thirteen dwarves have desolated. Like... Know, nice, nice, nice. <laughs> She's really proud of that one, guys. You see the look on her face. Just let it sit. Let it let sit. It, let, it just, let it just stew in that real quick. I feel really good. But they are, like, the way they say it, they're like, oh, come on. And they throw it back on the table. We had a deal. It's like, oh, he just snuck you in. Like, you weren't going to get in. You were going to, like, either die on the river, like, the the lakeside by orcs or drown trying to swim there. Like, so be somewhat grateful, man. It's killing I, me. They, they had to be ungrateful. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a reason for, the, for Thorin to reveal himself. <laughs> because... They, which, which which means he could have just done it before he got snuck through town. Yes. Well, yeah, that's what happens in the book, right? He just shows up and goes, hey, I'm the king. Um, but here, because we have all this other uh, plot with the master and, you know, the conflict, he can't do that. Uh, so that's why they need to give them a reason. Bard lets slip. Oh, well, the only iron weapons you're going to, the only forged weapons you're going to find are in the armory. So they go 
in the middle of the night to sneak in and steal weapons. And they're doing well, but then uh, are pretty tall for a dwarf boy. Keely, oh, God. Uh, his leg starts hurting because he's been poisoned. And he drops all the weapons. And why then are you giving the him guards. the weapons? They know he's injured, <laughs> right? Like they don't. Maybe they don't know. Like he's slowly being poisoned to death or something. But like they saw him get shot. Yeah, everybody's seeing him wincing and everything at this point. Even in Bard's house, he's like, ah, ah. Like it's yeah, he's uh, little, it's so obvious. So he's a being a baby. He's like, oh, I just want my my elf bride to be here. Help me. <laughs> also, the fact that he doesn't die falling down the stairs with an armful of swords is a miracle. Truly. Yeah. Like, Maybe they're they, not that good at weapons then. <laughs> They they comically stack him up like armful like he's got like thirty swords in his arms when he falls over. It's like, guys, there's thirteen of you. You're good. Yeah, uh, it is. Yeah, that's not how you should be carrying sharp bladed objects. Uh, no, not the safest. Um, but so they get captured and um. And then we we also have the scene where Bard goes and looks at the the tapestry, uh, just happens to be like, oh, this dwarf. It maybe it's Thorin, and yeah. and confirms it. Oh, um, I think they say that. I think they say Thorin, like when they're like talking about the weapons. I hear. I think he overhears. Oh, the he name overhears Thorin. Okay, yeah. that's why. Um, so he he finds this tapestry that confirms. Oh, this is the guy from Durin's line. He is the king. Um. And then we cut to uh, Toriel and Legolas. Uh, Toriel is still chasing after Keeley and this band of orcs. Um, I, this dynamic is so weird to me. Like the the fact that, uh, like Toriel is just like I need to hunt down this orc band and not let them go because like it it seems like in this scene she's not necessarily at least overtly like I need to go after Keeley, um, even though that's probably a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we get her saying like, we can't let evil do this and Is this we got to when... hunt down every last one of them and kill them. Did this happen uh, last episode? And I just forgot to mention it. Is this when Thor, um, Thranduil is like, no one could go outside. And someone was yes. like, Tariel's like, well, she hasn't returned. And it's like, Tariel just left. <laughs> yeah. It's some like weird timing. Okay. Got it. Okay. So now she feels like she's no, she knows what she's going to do. She's just lying. Yeah. It, she's lying to herself. I think I, I give her the benefit of the doubt here. I think it's, I think it's like 70, 30, 70% like, cause she heard the orcs say like, your world is going to burn. You don't know what's coming. And on like, the orcs like straight up challenge them at their borders like and she's not having it she's very proud she's trying to make a name for herself like she wants to to prove herself i think in a certain way um right because right. like king thranduil's like you know grace means a lot to obviously everybody uh so i think it's a little bit of both i think she is worried a small amount about Keely, but I think she she does think like there's something orcs have never done this before. Orcs have never come into our lands at our river gate and killed us and challenged us like that. That's a good so point. So something's going something's different is happening. So I think it's a little bit of both. Uh and we we do get uh a, a call back to Lord of the Rings uh in the in no. their dialogue. Yeah. 
It's the first one. Yeah. It, it's the only one we'll ever the only have. Only one. Uh, where she says to Legolas when he's like, uh, we, we got to protect our land, whatever. And she says, like, are we not a part of this world? We have to, we can't just hide. And so that's when we have uh, the stuff in Fangorn with uh, the Entmoot. Mary says that to uh, Treebeard. He's like, aren't you a part of this world? Um, so a little bit of a allusion to that there. It's good stuff. I like it. I like I like Toriel and Legolas in these movies. Like, oh, you are wrong. No, it's, it's they're giving uh, good performances, man. <laughs> it's yeah. so cheesy and it's so hammy, and she's trying so hard. I, I I'm with you that the the writing could be better, and maybe they're doing the best they can with what they've got. It's just, I think I can't see past what story they're telling. I definitely, I know, like, I'm fully aware that I have Middle Earth rose-colored glasses on for these movies, that, like, I really focus on the things that I love, but, and I think that they work. I think their, their friendship works. I think, you, you called Legolas an F-boy last week, and I meant to heartily disagree. He never presses her about anything. He never, he never drops his father's name. Like, like the only time he does get like butt hurt that she's yeah, not you can't help if you feel someone and someone's falling in love right in front of your eyes. Like he doesn't ever take it out on her and like, oh, shun her and like, oh, yeah, my dad was right about you. Bye. That's like, true. no, he honors her completely. And yeah, of course, you're going to get hurt. Of course, you're going to get hurt. Like, it's I would not say... no one's fault, but you can't help your feelings. I would say he's more of a, a simp the, than an F boy. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I would simp for Evangeline Lily and Elf Ears too. <laughs> Fair point. Yeah, you can't blame the guy. Yeah. All right, um, all right, all right. You're, all right. you're right, you're right. So after we get their conversation where he's simping hard, uh, we, uh, we get Alfred uh, informing the master of the unrest, all the people clamoring. Now the rumors of Thorin have spread. Um and uh, the dwarves are brought before the master in the middle of town. Everybody's there. And this is where we get the moment of Thorin revealing himself and giving a very rousing and inspiring speech, saying he's going to bring all the wealth and gold back from the mountain and enrich Lake Town and rebuild Dale and all of this stuff. And then we get Bard naysaying him, um, basically like, Dude, you're going to wake the dragon up. This is not going to be good. It doesn't matter how much wealth we have if we're all burnt to a crisp. Um, and then we get this moment of Alfred questioning like Thorin's character and just legitimacy. Like, how can we trust this guy? And then a weird, like this weird moment where, hey, remember that like Bilbo's uh, around? Like, it's been maybe like 15 or 20 minutes since he's done anything. Um, yeah. And and Bilbo is the one who steps up and speaks for Thorin's character, um, which, again, it further plays into that kind of push and pull dynamic with Bilbo and Thorin, like respecting each other, which will get tested later on. But also the townsfolk like respond to Bilbo vouching for Thorin, like, oh, yeah, like we, we believe you. And it's like, why would they have this yeah. reaction? Because he's with Thorin. So clearly <laughs> sure, he's going to stick sure. up for him and he could just be lying. Right. And he's not a human, uh, at least as they know it, you know. Um, 
So no one's looking at him like, who is this guy and what is this guy? Like, I, I feel like nobody in Lake Town has seen a hobbit before. They can tell he's not a dwarf. Maybe they think he's like a small dwarf. It's just a very odd moment that they would side with Bilbo and that would um, sway people's opinion. Yeah, that's such a weird moment because I, I, I do another thing I like. I like Thorin's speech yeah. of like bringing wealth back like this was the jewel of of the of the lake like this was a prospering trade center like what happened to this place i will bring that back and then bard saying like yeah cool that's a great speech but you forgot that there's a dragon sitting on top of that what are you going to do about that like bringing you know the reality back to like this you know this fanaticism type thing and then bill was like oh yes i believe in thorin okay you're good bye it's like what yeah uh, it's because he's super charming guys come on yeah he he definitely with all the charisma martin freeman could muster yes uh, swayed people's opinion but it is in this scene it is like kind of we get to see more of that dynamic of the master conniving because he's the one who gets the final word and he sort of writes bard off obviously because he doesn't mm. like bard um and and the way he does it is by saying like well we wouldn't have to worry about the dragon if your ancestor hadn't messed up and not killed him he had his he had his shot so like uh you don't get to talk rude uh um, arrow after arrow he fired i just ex- yeah, <laughs> exactly Alfred, it's so it's the worst <laughs> everybody hates him what if alfred is like the bastard brother of bard I mean, he's just upset that would have oh. given him something. That would have given him something, like right. uh, the reason why he sticks around for so long in this. Oh, it's so it's just the weirdest. Like it's it's annoying at the end of the day, but it's just I'm moreover just confused. Like I know this guy couldn't. Did this guy test well or something with everyone? There's no way. And I'm not hating on the actor. The actor did exactly what he was supposed to do. He did a good very job. annoying. Yeah, yeah, but just like. There's, it was pointless. Like, Wormtongue had a point. Like, he was, like, this conniving. And then at the end of Return of the King, like, you felt sorry for him that he was also fooled and, you know, like, belittled by Saruman. And, like, Theoden was about to forgive him. Uh, but it's just, like, there's just nothing with Alfred. There's absolutely zero. Yeah. No no substance. All grimy yeah. style. Um. So... We we get the master welcoming Thorn and company in, and this is later revealed to be just uh, a part of his plot because he's basically it's a win win for me. They either enrich the town and and achieve their purpose, or uh, they'll die, and I don't have yeah. to worry about them. Uh, so the next morning, all the dwarves set off for Erebor. They have weapons and armor gifted to them, uh, ill fitting as they may be. Um, but we get this pivotal moment where the dwarves split up. Thorin will not let Keeley go on the quest after his little kerfluffle and kerfuffle. Kerfluffle. And kerfluffle. Uh, after, you know, clearly he's not fit, right? He couldn't even carry swords uh, down the stairs. Um, and so Feely stays behind with him. And then I think uh owen also stays behind i'm not sure why or if they I ever think it's ex- glowing it's yeah it's either glowing or owen like one of the yeah. two i can't the the one who has the hearing uh thing but i don't think they ever explain why he stays behind or maybe i missed it um and then bomber who 
slept in, which no Bofer or yes, excuse me, Bofer. Yes. Um, Bofer who, uh, slept in, which is completely implausible to me because I get, I get like, okay, the wounded one. Yeah. Stay in town, get better. You're only a liability, but there's only 13 dwarves. They, they would notice if one of their company situation, exactly like everybody forgot about kevin um like how could they forget bofer and because he's also the best so like clearly they're gonna notice it when he's gone uh and they would just be like all right we're leaving sorry like you know this boat is on a timer like no they would just wait for him it makes zero sense yeah i don't I like that it. they split him up either like they're it's well, more it's more yeah. it's better for them all to be together you never split the party True. and also it's like they're cutting this insanely close. Like they leave on Durin's day and they have to be there at the last light of Durin's day. And apparently they were like drinking and partying the night before. (laughs) And, you know, like twice they get lost and, you know, they can't, they don't know where the stairs are. They don't know where to go. And like, they're climbing the entire mountain in one day. It's like, yo, like start that night, camp out and then move forward. Like they're cutting it insanely close. Yeah, agreed. Uh, when they know they have that ticking clock, yeah, um, on, on the the Durin's Day thing, yeah, it, take off it as soon as you can. Um, but maybe it took you know a few hours or the the evening to get their provisions ready, and so they thought that would be more important. But either way, it's it's just insane that that Bofors left behind. But again, for reasons of plot. Uh, it needs to happen because they needed enough dwarves to do stuff in Lake Town. So Bofer got relegated to that, which is uh, I'm sad for because yeah. he's he's one of my favorites. And I think all of that Lake Town dwarf stuff is just odd. Um, yep. So uh, we also get uh, an amazing uh, band of minstrels uh, playing them out uh, with yes. crazy looking instruments. I really enjoyed that as a musician. Um, these instruments of middle earth um now we head over to gandalf and radagast correct uh, to uh yes to yes. yeah um we once again <sighs> see the bunny sled which it, everyone loves the roscobel do rabbits. we love it <laughs> I, I like the roscobel <laughs> rabbits i think they're cute <laughs> why doesn't everyone else have roscobel rabbits yeah i, I don't know, you know it 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 takes a wizard to train them to be that yes. quick. I think. Right, right, right. Um, it is silly. It's silly and it's great. And he's weird. And it's a really great portrayal of a character, by the way. But it is just silly. I disagree. What? <laughs> he's Radagast. I, he's weird. That doesn't mean he's c- comic relief. In the same way that, like, there's elements of Gimli in the movies I like. I don't like that he was kind of like, he's just going to be the comic relief. It kind I see, of, I see. It's not, like, as you can, you know, as we've been reading the the books together, Jess, like, that's not how he is in, in the books, and so. No, but he's not taken 100% seriously in general by people. That doesn't mean he's yeah. a bad wizard. I think, I think that that's all that he's trying, he definitely is an exacerbated, uh, version of the character for sure mm-hmm. um so they they roll up to dol Guldur and gandalf notices oh there's a spell of concealment over this place so they can't see what's within um very D, by the way yes oh yes yeah yes. this so whole he sequence. rolled to see if there was a spell and he yep. like rolled an 18 <laughs> yeah. 
just ca- cast detect magic. Yeah, he he's can't like, oh. see, but he's like, he's like, oh, I know something's going on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because that he uh, critted on his uh, detect magic, uh, he's like, well, Sauron clearly hasn't reached full strength if he's hiding. Um, so he feels like he must go in. And this is, again, where I just question choices of characters because uh, he just sends Radagast away to give a message to Galadriel. Um, because he's like, we need to force Sauron's hand right now. And I'm going to go in completely alone and not wait. It makes no sense. I mean, hey, we've seen what Gandalf could do against a Balrog. If he thinks that Sauron's just like this necromancer, he, I don't think he expects Azog's full army to be in there, but he just thinks like the necromancer is, you know, like chilling, biding his time. So, I mean... Not the smartest of plans, I agree, but also I don't think Radagast is much of a fighter. I think Radagast is very good at what he does, being one with nature, healing nature, being with the trees and the animals and stuff. I don't think he's much of a warrior. So he sends him to go get Galadriel, Elrond, and Sauron. I would also rather Radagast do that than fight alongside me. I'd rather have the three out of ten go get the ten out of tens. Rather than, you know, Gandalf, who's, I'd say, a 9 out of 10, maybe an 8 out of 10. Sure. I'd rather have... Gandalf the Grey is an 8 out of 10. Yeah, Gandalf yeah. the White's 10 out of 10, for sure. Uh, I remember even, like, I watched uh, Nerd of the Rings and, like, uh, those videos where it's, like, book Gandalf would have smoked the Witch King. Like, yeah. they, they nerfed him in the movies, which I yeah. completely agree with. The Witch with. King broke his staff. It's yeah insane. Yeah. Um, so... I I agree with this. I don't uh, he there's literally a line where it, like I I think they cover their base enough by saying like what if it's a trap? He's like go Radagast turn around. It's most undoubtedly a trap. So like Gandalf knows what he's walking into. But then I think that's the argument. I think you're right that it's like first of all, first of all, by the way, they can talk. Galadriel and Gandalf can talk miles away in their, each other's head. So why isn't Gandalf just like, hey, by the way, this thing's going on. Come here. He could do that. I, I think it's a one-way I know, thing. But the, I think the real argument is, yes, yeah, send Radagast. Don't go in and yeah, fight wait. them. Because that's what they do in the books, not to be the guy who's like, in the books, but I'm going to be that guy. Do they do that in the books? Oh, because do yeah, they, the, they write the white, this? The White Council convenes, and they all go and just expel the necromancer. Like, that's what happens. They don't, Gandalf doesn't go in by himself to fight him. He does go in and, uh, like, again, they're condensing timelines. There was an instance of him going in alone, and the necromancer fled, but then came back because he wasn't, because he was weak. Um, but there is no what we'll see later on where sort of Sauron defeats Gandalf and then the White Council comes. So it it just it it doesn't seem like a move Gandalf would make. Gandalf is a smart guy. He's a wise guy. If he knows he has backup and they're going to be able to come and he's sending Radagast to get them, why aren't you going to wait for the backup? You know, he's a wise guy, huh? Gabba Gandalf <laughs> over here. Am I, th- am I right? Am I talking about it? Hey, he's a Gandalf, Gandalfini, more <laughs> the like men it. Men who paint houses. Take the staff, <laughs> leave the cannoli. Exactly. <laughs> the New York is responsible for all the architecture, thanks to the, <laughs> the, 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 Ita- the Italians. That's the, my dad would talk about that often. So, anyway. Uh, but this is, this is another extended thing where we meet Thrain. 
Thrain is at Dogal Deer, and this is all extended stuff. Mm-hmm. And we see that Sauron has taken his ring. And I, I have here in my notes, Gandalf is very impatient with a POW of like 50 years. <laughs> it's <laughs> so yeah. true. He's like slapping him like, get it together, man. I know you've been in this evil wizard prison with terrible orcs and being tortured for the last half century. But can you? Yeah, it's like it's yeah. like that scene in Airplay where they're shaking that lady, like taking turns, like slapping her. A hundred percent. Again, this Gandalf is not operating at full mast right now. Yeah, he's he's in panic mode, apparently. Uh, I did really enjoy, though, in this whole sequence, like uh, Peter Jackson's background in horror really shines in these kinds yes. of moments with like the cinematography, the camera work, like these kind of horror sequences that he has in uh, has in Lord of the Rings, like with Minas Morgul and um, a lot of the stuff in Bordor, um, you know, the Shelob sequence and here in Dolgodor. Beautiful on the screen, um, despite what I may think of some of the character motivations and choices. Um, just gorgeous. Uh, I don't necessarily like the way that they chose to represent Gandalf's use of magic. Um, of <laughs> no, just his like, shield bubble. Yeah, like the 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 force fields blasting out, and then, uh, you know, when he has like he has that battle with Sauron when finally uh he reveals himself. Uh, it was like just odd. Like the editing threw me off, and maybe that was an intentional thing of like making it unsettling. Um, but yeah, just the visual representation of yeah. their battle of wills. I'm like, eh, it's a little bit too well, like Hollywood the same thing. Hap- well, one, we got to talk about Thrain's Wilhelm scream when he gets yanked and yes. yeeted off screen. <laughs> like just I don't know what sound editor got away with one right there, but woof. Um, well, they all, they do it on purpose. Maybe it was Peter Jackson rebelling, but it was so loud and like this was different because we get him all the time in Star Wars. We've got him in these movies, like you know when uh, I think when an elf falls off of Helm's Deep is when we get one as well. Like, mm-hmm. and that that definitely stands out too. But this one, it was just like it was like dead silent, and then just <laughs> I was like, oh my, where did it didn't even yeah. sound like? Especially since we just had a com- this serious conversation of like tell Thorin I love. Of him yeah. like, oh, like, God. and that's so jarring that's why it's so weird is the tonal whiplash you have this like yes. serious moment with it's not just some random red shirt like it has been and in, in, you know i think it was an orc in the first one there was a mm-hmm. scream uh this is like a character who's having this emotional yes. moment and then just it's like tonal whiplash and and they really wanted you to hear the scream it's 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 I, so pronounced i think Maybe it is because, you know, you, you talked about last time and you, you actually sent Justin and I something where it was an actor talking about his experience. I think the actor who plays uh, Ori or Nori, uh, Jed Brophy, um, of how Peter Jackson was sort of fighting with the studio. Maybe this was a little bit of rebellion of going, OK, you're going to make me do all this stuff. Well, I'm going to I'm going to just put a little sure. bit of zhuzh on it and um, yeah. to have some fun with it just to keep my sanity. Yeah. Uh, and it's like- so odd. Yeah, going what you were saying with the editing, with the the magic battle, 
between Sauron and Gandalf where it's just like it's the same thing like five times in a row where like he puts up the force yes. bubble the wind the black wind is coming in it breaks and then he puts it back up at the last second and then I don't know if it was an extended version thing I haven't seen the theatrical cut in a minute so I don't know if it they cut it down to like maybe two times before he finally breaks but like it happens like the same thing happens five times in a row and yeah. it was so weirdly edited where it felt like there it was like almost on a loop yeah yes but i will say followed by this when Gandalf finally like his staff melts away and he gets pinned up against the wall i do love the fire exploding and you see the silhouette in flame of Sauron walking towards him and it slowly turns into the eye i think that is very well done it's it's like, a cool it's a cool moment and you get like the zoom where it's almost like an yes. infinity kind yes. of thing like very two thousand one esque. It is. It, it is work. very weird. It's very uh, what's it called? The the monolith type thing. Uh, but I think it works in that moment to where it doesn't feel overblown. Like we all, anyone with a pulse knows that it's Sauron, and so I I wish he wouldn't have said it. Like it's not quite the text appearing saying Mordor in Rings of Power, <laughs> but it's not not that. But it's not not that. So I, if they would have just left that, like the, this moment, this look of terror on Gandalf's face, truly realizing who this is, not some just some necromancer. Sauron. Yeah. <laughs> and so I wish they would have left that like wordless and just because Ian McKellen, Ian McKellen's Ian McKellen, he can do the work. Yes. Yeah. We've seen it before plenty of times in every type of genre. So just let Ian McKellen work like show, don't tell. And you showed it so well. You literally had him with the crown, with the flaming eye, everything right there. I don't need him to say Sauron. So like eight out of ten, minus two. Yeah. I mean, maybe people who don't have sight need to hear him say Sauron. But if that were the case, then they would... He would need to say it more clearly. <laughs> yes. Sauron. <laughs> Sauron. <laughs> like his lungs are being compressed up against that wall yeah. of stone. So. I mean, it's sick. It is sick, yeah. but it doesn't, it doesn't work for sure. <laughs> All right. So bye-bye Gandalf. That's the last we see of him, right? In, for, in for this, this movie. In this movie, yes. No, yes. he's dead now. Or no, I think we do get, we get one more shot of him in the cage. Yeah. When, when armies the armies are, are moving out. Forth. But that's it. Oh, yeah. I didn't even. I did not catch that. Yeah. Um. Yep. Okay, so th now we have the uh, dwarves, um, coming upon the secret door, and oh, I know. Yeah. Real quick, I do have it in my notes. Like, while I love the reveal of Sauron, I feel like this whole thing negates the entirety of. Gandalf's research and fellowship where like he discovers that like oh no Sauron's still like his power is still tied to the ring does anybody agree with that that like if, if this was 60 years if right. I if I witnessed this 60 years ago yeah I, like this feels almost like the same thing with Azog where like you know you know what happens in the book so like the White Council world you know expels Sauron in the next movie in some way but like no matter what, if I saw this kind of display of power, I wouldn't be like, mm, maybe he's still around. Yeah, I mean, I I think this is, you know, he's not like at his full power here. And, you know, if, if you look at, you know, Dol Guldur as a fortress and the amount of works there compared to 
when he eventually flees to back to uh, Mordor, um, it's night and day. Mordor is huge. You know, he's at, mm-hmm. at his most powerful there. So when you have that um, expelling uh, of the, you know, the White Council expelling him, uh, they think, okay, we've dealt with the problem. Uh, and then you have the meetings later about the ring mm-hmm. uh, where Saruman's saying like, no, don't worry. It's been, you know, cast out to sea, uh, which we get sort of, you know, in a different order here um, in the movie. Um, you know, Saruman's like, don't worry about it. Like, you know, the ring's still around, but there's no way he could possibly get it. It's been lost. So um, I don't think it this version in the adaptation necessarily negates the revelation because that is the revelation Gandalf comes to that the one ring isn't lost and therefore Sauron is even more dangerous than they thought Got uh, it. because that's that's the main point is that even though Sauron was around they thought there's no way he can get his hands on the one so we don't really have to worry about him that much he might be able to amass some orcs and stuff but that's about it got it. okay all right I'll accept that yeah we're doing a lot of legwork for this movie Gentlemen. We are. <laughs> uh, so we we have Thorin and company uh, approaching the entrance to the hidden door, um, and I know when we were watching this together, Jess, you really enjoyed Thorin saying to Bilbo, uh, "You have keen eyes, Mister Baggins." When he spots what what does he spot, Jess? An actual statue of a dwarf. Just a massive, yeah, a like mass- a skyscraper with with stairs on the side of it. The only etching into this mountain, <laughs> right, on the side of which they're looking. And Thorne's <laughs> like, "Nice job, Bilbo." You know what? I guess it's nice. It's like it's kind of always feels nice when your boss is like, "Hey, good job," even if it's like a menial task. But it would have read better if Thorne was like, "Good job, idiot!" Like it would have <laughs> been so much. Like, well, oh, they, wait, I, like, I understand maybe they don't know where Durin's door is because, you know, dwarf doors are very secret. But how does Thorin not know where these stairs are? Yeah, because he grew up. Yeah, like he was born and raised on this mountain. Yeah. Well, that and no one says, oh, look at the Mount Rushmore on the other side of the mountain that we have. And something's obviously there. Wouldn't yeah. you look there first? I don't know. It's bo- it did bother me. It this, bothered this is me an- so much. Well, this is another thing where it's like we have to give Bilbo something to do because yep. since right. since he put people in wine barrels, he hasn't had anything to do. Yeah. 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 For, well, no, much- but he could have found it. But why is the design of a giant dwarf right there? <laughs> yeah, because like even the stairs of Kirith Ungol, you walk by this the 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 staircase like you can miss those. Because right. it's like a sheer scale and there's like little tiny steps where like you're like crawling on your hands and knees to get through there. But these are legitimately just like stairs. And yeah. in, the, in the book, it takes them days to find the door, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah it, t- it takes them a while. Yep. Like again, like you have nothing but time in this story, but you're wasting it on everything else. I mean, we gotta. We're not. We're not there yet, but we eventually gotta cut back to uh, to Lake Town to see what's up with Keeley and all that stuff. Okay. So. Do we actually? <laughs> we have don't have to? time for the actual journey to the door. We just we just cut right to him finding it. Well, on top of that, they get to the door. They can't figure out what it means. Like they're looking for the last slide of Durin. 
they can't find it. And immediately they're like, break it down. Like, that's not going to work. They, are, they should know that. but They should know that. But also, they leave. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's insane. You have just gone through literal hell. You have been chased by orcs, by <laughs> wizards, uh, by giant spiders. You've escaped an elvish kingdom. You've been shot at, stabbed, almost totally. cooked, uh, crawled through a toilet. <laughs> And you were going to leave in three minutes? Yeah. They're there <laughs> so for two true. seconds. Where do you have to go? You like just in the, the thing of the story, you have no home. You have nowhere to go. At least and just take five and like take and a breather. Just, and Thorin just drops the key. <laughs> After he gave Bill, uh, Gandalf all that gruff of like, oh, I didn't know it was yours to keep. Like, bro, you apparently you don't even want it. Like, this is the most I don't want to say this is the most frustrating thing because I'm sure I'll be more frustrated next movie. But just like this is insane to me that they are about they they not about to walk away. They're gone. They, they they're gone. <laughs> they're gone. And the fact that like, you know, the dramatic moment of like Bilbo almost kicking the key off and Thorne comes back. Impossible. He wouldn't yeah. be there. Yeah. But just like the fact that Bilbo, who has no dog in this fight, Bilbo can leave any time and go to the most comfortable home in the entirety of Middle Earth and tend to his garden and eat his seed cakes and have a jolly life. And let's be real, like enjoy himself because he he's there's no canonical lover of his, right? Yeah, no, he's, he's just chilling, living that bachelor life, man. Yeah, he's definitely having fun with the one-eyed snake. But yeah, you're totally right. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> But just like it's it's so crazy to me that there are they literally just walk away like I can accept a lot of things from this movie. I cannot accept that. I, and I guess I don't understand what is the impetus. Is it that like, well, we don't want to pay all the 20 actors that we have hired to wait around? Like, no, what I, is I it? think I think it's they. I think, again, this is studio meddling. And they go, we, this is like, they finally got to the door. We need a huge dramatic moment. And so they need yeah. to artificially create that. And so you have Thorin leaving so he can come back dramatically. And you get the, what I called uh, while we were watching this, the, the Marvel hero shot of the dwarves just like all lined up coming into frame. Ba, ba, yes. Ba, ba, ba. Yeah. And it it's sounds just, like the oh, Avenger, Avenger song a little bit. Da, 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 it does. Da, da. Yeah. We we don't need it. We don't need it. Just have it happen. Have it be cool while they're all there and they get frustrated. Like we they don't we don't need extra drama, right? We don't need extra drama of them. Oh, I thought they were they were never going to come back. Like, no, just have it be a cool moment. Um and I I don't know why I guess they changed it to the last light being the light of the moon so that we could get Again, extra drama of like the sun setting, like, oh, they failed. Not really. Actually, yeah. they didn't. Gotcha. Yeah, it's which... kind of cool. It's kind of cool. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, it's better it just, in the book because it... it's like the there's like one other wisp of like, like th th so it is better in the book because there's more artistry to it where it's like there's it's it's the sun is gone behind the mountain and there's this one pinhole that yeah. it. It well, is it was still like, I shining through. The clouds moving, I think, was was what. I don't think in the so. Book. I I think it was that all of a sudden, out of like nowhere, just one more yeah. 
where you thought the sun was had set completely like so there's you know when we were bored humans in the beginning of the world as we understood it we created structures that aligned with the sun rising and setting and the moon so that we could you know so it would make sense that they would map out where the sun's going to be in that exact moment and it could be like a like they could have done a pinhole from a mountain the mountain on the other side of the range it just at least that's how i remember it yeah and and even if if you maintain that you can still keep the drama of oh the sunlight's gone and then it comes back they they didn't need to go full turn everything up to 11 like oh no the sun has to completely set and the moon's out like all is lost it feels like another we need bilbo to do something moment where he's that, the one yeah, to figure that yeah that as well that as yeah. well um uh but they actually get in there they quickly get the key in the door uh and i really enjoy them uh entering all together and the dwarves mm-hmm. kind of getting you know, choked up. Um, and this is where we get sort of uh, further uh, f- further emphasis on the importance of the Arkenstone. Um, so they're reading this uh, thing that's in the entrance, may the heart of the mountain unite all dwarves. Uh, and that's when they finally tell Bilbo the real reason he's there, which is to steal the Arkenstone. Um, How do you feel about that? Because the Arkansone has become such a huge medallion or like icon for what uniting the dwarves is. When in reality, the Hobbit's just a simple story about these people trying to get their home back. Yeah, I I don't like this change um, for multiple reasons. Um, I'm fine. Like like yeah, it it becomes um, much more of a parallel to the ring uh, for Thorin, mm-hmm. which was an element of the original story where he was sort of motivated by his greed and lust for the Arkenstone. Uh, but they really, again, just turned that up. Um, and Yeah, and, and the idea that it would unite all the Dwarven kingdoms is a, is a slightly weird one. The, the real reason I don't like it is because of how it affects... Um, what's going to happen with Bilbo and the Smaug scene later on. Um, Because uh, it essentially becomes a chase the, not, Mm. not a MacGuffin. It kind of is the MacGuffin, but chase the MacGuffin scene, as opposed to this sort of battle of wits in a sense. Right. um, And just words with Smaug and Bilbo. And again, it's like, okay, we can't just have this cool scene. It's got to be like also an action set piece on top of that, which I will admit is it's a cool one. And there's some cool visual stuff going on, but it really changes that um, the motivation. Uh, And I don't, I I personally don't like that. Um, So yeah, I'm not for the whole Arkenstone being the reason for the quest thing, as opposed to just, retaking the I mean home. I guess I understand it from a purely cinematic reason too because like oh, what else would make sense of why would they hire a burglar mm-hmm. like why do they hire Bilbo in the first place actually that's a good point because like a burglar is not gonna kill the dragon yeah he's not an assassin they really just need somebody to get one specific item yeah I mean in, in the original story he was just kind of scouting things out essentially but i think Um, it is a good explanation i think that brings up a good point ben like we need something that 
it justifies the term burglar. And I do like, like, I understand what Alex is saying completely. Like, we don't need another MacGuffin in these movies. But it, it does make sense of, like, why they need this mountain back. Because, like, why can't they just go make another mountain kingdom? Like, why can't they go, you know, live in the Blue Mountains with, with or the Iron Hills? Like, why can't they go do that? And so I, I do like, to a certain extent, like the Arkenstone. Um, and I, I don't think it's that exactly that makes Thorin go mad. I think it's like just the, the treasure itself, like just in general makes him, you know, the dragon sickness is what they call it. Yeah. Um, but uh, this is but just like the fact that I, we need you to steal this jewel. Meanwhile, it might not even be at the surface of this treasure. Like it's one thing, just the the square footage of Erebor is insane, let alone if it's at the bottom of anything, right. which it very well could be. This is an impossible task. You are looking for a needle in a citywide stack of needles. Yeah. Like I love I do love the sequence where he's looking at like a glass stone or like No, like I, I literally have that in my notes where like Martin Freeman's acting is so good because you know he's like this is before the volume was invented. So he's on a green screen stage, maybe with a tiny little pile of coins around him, doing like the where he tosses, he's like, Oh, oh no, 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 too loud, too loud, too loud. Like he's yeah, yeah, it's yeah. so he's so good. My, he's so he good takes in this the scene. Knee after, yeah, that's like, my favorite. It's it's perfect like, acting. Hand on the chin and <laughs> yeah. just kind of like awkwardly contorted, and Smaug's just so right there. It's so good. It yeah. shouldn't be good, but it's so good. And like just building up to this moment is perfect. Like the 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 treasure sliding off of his eye, Bilbo like ducking down, and I love like how they reveal how big Smaug is, and then slowly but surely, like he puts the ring on at the last second, and then you get the reveal. And it's, oh my God, he looks magnificent. He looks terrifying. He looks regal. And then we get Benedict Cumberbatch talking and it's everything I've ever wanted. Yeah, he's and amazing. Jess, did you get to see the behind the scenes of him doing the mocap for this? years ago, actually. Okay. Um, I think I will rewatch it just with better context of yes. what he's actually doing. Because um, I know he's slithering, but I, I think I need to... I forgot to rewatch it because um, I, I think I wasn't impressed when I saw it years ago. I mean, and he that, looks insane. He yes. does yeah. look insane, but it's so good, man. It's so he's it, uh, this depiction is fantastic. Now, jumping ahead, I absolutely hate him saying, I am fire, I am death. I actually... You're crazy. That is so Smaug good. to it's a T. It's so bad. It's so bad. He just... He literally says, like, my... Have, uh, my claws are spears. I, my I teeth are swords. Like, my wings, wings are, hurricane. are a hurricane. And the I way he says, like, my wings are a hurricane. Like, he's yeah. uh, just, like, so powerful. Like... Every and just like the fact that Bilbo can never truly get far away from him, like within like two steps, Smaug is back on top of him, and it's so claustrophobic, even when they're in this giant space. Like, uh, I, I, oh, it's it's such a perfect scene, and I do like, in a way, that Martin Freeman isn't on the like isn't invisible because it makes Bilbo more clever for me that he's he's. He's like uh, goading 
uh, Smaug like playing to his ego, like to keep himself alive. And I, I like that. And I, I understand in the book he's invisible and it like, oh, Smaug's interested. So that's what's keeping him alive. And I like that, too. But I think it's better for the scene, especially with how they portray invisibility. Oh, you know, I was going to I thought they were going to keep him invisible for a long time. I was like, when are this is going to make me sick if I have yeah. to look at like kaleidoscope Smaug. It was and not I, good. And drag it like literally in the book, Smaug wakes up and can smell the fresh air and pretends to be asleep. And the moment Bilbo walks in the room, he's like, well, I can smell you, thief. Like there's no way Smaug like greatest of all calamities wouldn't be able to sniff bilbo out and when he's walking on treasure his feet his feet are moving the treasure too so like he'd be able to zero in on him invisible or not the the reason i like i i I dislike the change uh is because again it ties in with what we talked about last week with the nature and the effect of the ring on bilbo is because the the reason that they contrive to have him take the ring off is he gets like the flash of the eye of Sauron. Yeah. And it's like, why? So, so then that means Bilbo knew this ring was like evil or bad. Like, and it's like, Oh, I got to take it off. It doesn't make sense for him to do that in that moment. And it's when Smaug also, it changed from uh, the books, which I don't particularly enjoy. Um, he he basically hints that he knows Bilbo has the ring, which uh, I d- I mean sure he's a dragon and can maybe sniff out treasure and magic rings, um, but it, he seems to imply he knows what it is. Um, so I I I just don't like the reason that they invent to have him take the ring off. Maybe mm-hmm. if they had come up with a different way of ma- making him not use the ring, I'd be less bothered. But that particularly bothers me. And again, just. So you they think had... he took the ring off because he realized it was evil? So what happens is Smaug is like, you carry something gold on you, something powerful, and it implies he knows he has the ring while he's invisible. And then we see like the flash of the eye of Sauron, and then Bilbo's like, Ugh, and takes no, the No, no. So yeah, that's not, that's not what happens. Um, Bilbo okay, gets mesmerized or like enchanted and takes the ring off without in that moment before we see him. So we see him post having taken the ring off. Cause like, like kind of like he was compelled by however he was bewitched in that moment. He did. I, I thought oh, I remember seeing a flash of the we eye. Do. Of we see a flash, we see a flash of, the of the eye, but that doesn't yeah. mean he a knows what the eye is and B that he, I think he, in that moment when the flash happened, I think he took off the ring because what he realizes when he comes to is like, Holy crap, the ring's not on my finger. That's, okay, that's I was interpreting moment. it differently of like him I like seeing Jess's the flash and then being scared. I Jess, I think I like your interpretation, but I think the interpretation is that like the the it compelled him to take it off. I, but I, I don't like think he the, realized he did that. I don't think he did either. That's I think it's I, mean. I think it's poor illustration from the director from like illustrating that. I, I would have liked because dragons do like hypnotize people that is one of their powers for sure they are smart they are clever and that's why like smog would have definitely changed the tide of the war of the ring for sure mm-hmm. um and so i think it's just poor illustration by peter jackson putting like we didn't need the the flash of sauron right there we didn't need that i i think that's very poorly done 
Uh, so I'm, I'm with Alex on that, but like it didn't bother me too much because I just I just love this scene so much yeah. and so unapologetically. Uh, everything about it works uh, except for Bilbo almost uh, blowing it with it is true. The dra- like the land's found. He's like, so what? Like, no, oh, nothing, nothing, not, no. I didn't say yeah. anything. What'd you say? Yeah. I just love That's that uh, when he's like, "Oh, uh, who are your dwarves?" And he's like, "Dwarf, dwarves." <laughs> yeah. So good. No, no, no dwarves. Like it's just a, he's so good in this scene. Yeah. Like Martin Freeman is just such a treasure in this scene. It's it, so great, and it just um, it it makes me wish that a bigger chunk of this movie we were getting to see that like yeah when we it, again we talked about it uh in the preamble like when we finally get to this moment it's like okay cool now this movie is like firing on all cylinders and it's great because it is just showcasing martin freeman and everything up leading up to this everything we've been talking about in the, in this podcast episode like has not featured martin freeman and it's no the, the greatest how yeah. much are they in like so i know that um benedict is doing mocap but who is martin acting against probably a tennis ball on the wall or something yikes he's yeah killing it's it. he's it's killing insane it. like how good he is in this movie like when he had every excuse not to be right but but just like that part is so good. And then I know you guys are like talking about the Arkenstone being like, you know, a MacGuffin, but I think it works in this scene with like when, you know, uh, Smaug is alluding to like it. Thorin is not this some like pure of heart king that will do no like that will do no wrong. Like he will turn on you for this. He will turn on you for the kingdom. He will turn on you for the throne. And like when he notices, like, cause he's smart. I like that. They don't play smile dumb. He's like, I'm almost tempted to let you take it to see how it would corrupt Thorin. And I, yeah. I love that line. Cause he's yeah. so snake like, and so evil where he's like, I will do this. Or just like, you know, Oh, what did he promise you? A, a share of the treasure of it as like, he's making Bilbo doubt Thorin when he just vouched for him in the previous scene. And so this, Everything sings to me and everything about this. It's so good. And then when Bilbo finally puts the ring on and then you see Smaug's power. Yeah. And and just the the cockiness of Smaug to say that of like, yeah, take it. I don't care because I can just kill you whenever I want. Yes. Like I can kill you after you've been corrupted. Uh, I don't need to worry about you stealing anything. Like you're not getting away from me. It's it's very good. And before I, I forgot before this, like, you know, he's shaking things and like everyone hears it in Lake Town and the dwarves are like, what is that? It's like, what? And like Balan's like, that is a dragon. What do you think it is? What right? do you think? <laughs> are we on the same adventure here? Like, what is have I wasted well, nine hours already? <laughs> it, it, it's kind of like the line we'll get to in a little bit uh, where uh, Balan's like, there's no fire hot enough to light these forges. Yeah. Oh, my God. The stupidest. There's so the dwarves don't deserve anything. Just <laughs> nuke them. <laughs> can it? <laughs> Calm down, Eisenhower. Jesus. Go back in time. Make, right? make it so that Eru destroyed the original creations of Aule and the dwarves yes, could never exist. Because they suck. Write them off. Because they suck. But I do love that, you know, the whole like that's a dragon. And then, you know, they're back and they're arguing like, oh, do we go get Bilbo? And Thorin's like, no. And, uh, it's another great line reading by by Ken Stott where he's like, I'm afraid of what this treasure is going to do to you. Like he can see like the like 
Balin's no fool either. He can see that Thorin isn't like this perfect, you know, king. So like he, Balin should have given him some more tough love before this adventure or something like that. Because he didn't have a, you know, Thorin didn't have a father figure for a, a few years. But well, and, I and we get like that, that scene. We get that great uh, shot where it's like Thorin in profile against the the statue of uh, his father. Yeah, and he's he literally is saying like I'm not him. And you just have the juxtaposition of it's so bad. Are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah, it's pretty cheesy. It is very cheesy. Uh, and then when is it like Bilbo gets away with the Arkenstone? Well, supposedly. Uh, I don't but... think we actually see if he grabs it. No, we don't. We just yeah. see him turn invisible, and then uh, you see all the coins flipping as he's running away. Uh, and then, man, like Thorne is already like proving that the dragon sickness already got him because he almost like kills Bilbo like he puts his sword out in front of him and yeah. I do love the look that like Bilbo like basically looks over his shoulder and I'm glad they like he didn't do the he's standing right behind me isn't he I'm glad they yes. it's just like this slow turn and just like how far away he is like he's, he's still so huge, he's so huge he's yeah. so snake like and then just like slowly going towards him is oh I love it and yeah, they, they definitely treat him uh, like like you said, they don't take this opportunity or any of the um, the action sequence that is about to happen uh, with humor. They yeah. take Smaug seriously. This is a threat. There's there's no joking around when, when he's on screen. Yeah, which is good. and like there's a few moments in the upcoming thing because like I don't need to we need to go through every single part of it where it's like the whole. Oh, we need to make it. I do love when like this perfect cut. I don't know what the editing was in this scene where like Thorin gets like almost burned and his like overcoat is is going and then he rolls. He's like, come on this way. And just, yeah. just so he just like tucks and rolls like in one. It was like the smoothest thing ever. Just like in one tuck and roll takes the thing off. Okay, let's go. And he was like, oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, you were just on fire. A lot, clearly. He does. There, he dodges dragon fire like three times in this in this sequence it's uh almost unbelievable <laughs> yeah it's unbelievable yeah with how threatening smog is there's like two moments one i do like in a vacuum i like the the moment where they're walking across the bridge and the coins are like slowly falling and they realize you look up that's yeah. really cool it makes no sense because smog like has better senses than that yeah but like he would smell them or see them or hear them but i think it's i'm okay i'm i'm excusing that because it it's looks cool image awesome yeah. it looks really cool the the thing i can't and, and again that's like the sort of horror movie yes side of peter jackson coming out yeah and the only thing i don't like is like you know when they when they say oh we'll head for the the forges and that you know he says the ed sheeran line if this is to end in fire they will all burn together um yeah. i do love that but then like when they're like hey over here no over here i'm like ah, I wish we could yeah. Smaug this. would never no he'd care. eat he'd eat those five and then he'd turn around and he would eat those five and so, then he'd turn around and eat the last five <laughs> like, totally this would. this is the problem with this whole sequence as cool as some of the elements are in the sort of Rube Goldberg contraptions and the idea for, uh, you know, making the statue and all of that stuff. Um, it, there's just no way that a company of 13, uh, well, including Bilbo, 
uh, is going to stand any chance against a dragon. Yeah. In, in, in its lair, um, no less. Like, th- it's just, there's no way. There's no way. Um, and, like, again, cool shot where Thorin is, like, literally standing on Smaug's snout. Yeah. But he's dead. He's, he's dead. dead in that moment. Um, yeah, like it's it's yeah. there's so many cool moments juxtaposed with like like when he does jump off and like grab the cable and it's just one continuous shot of like it might, you know, reminded me a lot of Gandalf jumping on the Balrog where it's just like this continuous shot of like Smog just throwing himself down the tunnel like to put like that's awesome. But then I don't need Thorin like tiptoeing on his nose. That makes no sense. Um, and then, you know, like you guys are talking about like lighting the forges real for anybody out there. (laughs) Fire doesn't work like that. You will die. If you stand behind a small pillar and fire goes around it, they would have been incinerated envelop it and light that on fire. And then you'll all, you're all dead. Even if you weren't touched by the fire, just the radiant heat. Yes. They're like their faces would have melted right there. It would have been insane. So you're saying I shouldn't listen to this movie when it comes to fire. And if I do, I'll die. Yeah. Battery liquor. You shouldn't. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Don't. No. No. I'm going to start giving Jess like the playground nickname. Yeah, what's up, match sucker? <laughs> it's so, you roast me like no one else roasts me. It's so sad and great. Roasted like freaking Thorn would have gotten. Right? Yeah. All right, all right, Alex. Try less. The, the, no, there's just the, the physics of this, you really just have to put out of your mind. Like, yes. th- also, that's not how, like, Smel- uh, smelting or casting metals work. Yeah, it's uh, like, you can't you can't ride on a river of gold and just be fine. Like yeah, on a metal like wheelbarrow, like your hands would have yeah. burned off. Like there's so much of that in this that like it's like I'm I love this movie probably more than both of these guys combined do. But like all these things start stacking up on top. Like even watching this for the first time after I'm riding this crazy crescendo high of like Benedict, you know, and and Martin Freeman going back and forth, just like everything I've waited for, everything I've wanted. I'm like like every single thing is like getting my legs taken out and then my knees and then hit me in the balls and then hit me in the stomach. It's like, oh, my gosh, like it's just one after the other, like completely unbelievable yeah. things that just happen in a row. And while some of them are cool. A lot of them are just like kind of goofy and almost like put the Benny Hill music behind it. It's like, okay, like this scene just didn't need to be there. And even at the end, when, you know, they smelt all the gold and, you know, Balin makes flash grenades and they're riding on the rivers. of thrilled, by the way. Oh, he's loving it. That guy's in the lab. He's cooking. But even getting to the point of like melting this whole gold statue which is still insane to me that's really cool i don't yeah. care gold smaug i want that figurine i want Honestly, a gold me too they, a gold... they do they do have a funko uh if you're into funko pops that's not the same it's okay. not the same i'm i'm i've got a handful of funkos left the rest i donated to charity um but just like it's so awesome looking and then again you end the movie on your strength with you know 
it makes no sense of like he's like oh no you can't go to like after like smog apparently is so fed up he's like okay i'm done with the dwarves i'm gonna go kill everyone in lake town it's like wait what that, yeah oh, okay yeah. i don't follow the logic here but you end on your strength of like martin freeman like you can't do that they didn't do anything smog turns around doesn't kill bilbo which thank god <laughs> he's like you could see them die and so i do love like they're ending on that strength of like those two again with each other because like they have yeah. like not formed a bond or anything like that but like it's almost like smog somewhat respects him or something for for fooling him i don't know i'm stretching here but whatever well, no, but he but he, but smog says that you get to watch them die he's in yeah he's enjoying this is the most fun smog's had in a long yeah like time. he's never threatened smog never is in fear for his life he's just like oh this is it's almost like this is boring him yeah and so and so like i i do he's playing with his food it's, he, he it's, is it's i different I view it than is playing with her food when she kills captain carter but like it's because like she should have just murdered her instead of fought her for two minutes but i i view it as yeah he he knows he can just like like he said with um uh thorin saying oh take the arkenstone i want to see it corrupt him he knows or at least believes that at any point he can kill anybody he wants to and so he's just frustrated with the dwarves that's why he doesn't turn around and kill him he goes i'll deal with you later because where are you going to go that I can't get to, you know? Uh, I just Ubris. need to get out get out my anger and aggression, and Lake Town seems like a good target. Da, are we going to die? Are we going to die, Da? Are we Spe- going to die, Da? Speaking of Lake Town, we completely neglected that plot line that we haven't talked oh about. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, let's go. Let's rewind, because I do like some of this stuff, too. You do not. The Legolas stuff, I'm sure, right? The Legolas stuff, baby. <laughs> Let him cook. You, like, as many badass moments, like, they, the orcs sneak up. And I wish this is something I wish they would have done a little bit more, because there is a cool scene when one of the daughters walks outside, looks to the right, and on the left, you see the orcs coming over the rooftop. I'm like, that's a cool thing. But then immediately they just, like, jump in, and, like, there's no... I was waiting, like, for a little more suspense and surprise. I was like, because that's a really cool shot. It is. Like, just slowly them stealthing up on them. Um, And then, you know, Toriel comes in, is a badass. You know, I, I do love where, like, one orc jumps on the boat, another orc jumps on the boat, it launches the first orc up, like, it slices his head off, and it's, like, holding there. Love that. And yeah. then he, like, 1v1's Bulg, and he, like, he takes the sword and, like, points at him. Ultimate, like, what do they call it on TikTok? Ultimate Sigma move. And then there <laughs> is a is moment. Why is it a Sigma? I, hold on. It's, like, like Sigma Alpha, male. alpha oh, Sigma, oh, Sigma okay. male or something like that. Got it. Uh, and just like there is a really cool thing where like one, this is where Bulk should have been an actor because it it's yes. like the the farther we get away, and this is any CGI movie, the CGI gets a little dated. And so especially there's a moment where like Bulk's got him in like a bear hug, and I'm like, okay, there's no one like there's a guy with a bunch of bubbles on his face holding Orlando Bloom right now, if at all. But there is a cool moment where like Bulk throws Legolas and he throws him into two other orcs and like he doesn't miss a beat. Just like immediately, like, oh, oh, guys over here, ta, 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 and just cuts him right up. And him like banging Bulg's head against a post. Like, just, we've never really seen an elf fight someone 1v1 and it lasting yeah. for more than five seconds. So, for all the fight choreograph, like, this is well a well choreographed fight. And I always will love a well choreographed sword fight, fist fight, brawl, whatever it is. 
this stuff is well choreographed and so i will give that scene its flowers you're totally right they get they get their flower tonight okay very good um (laughs) it's king's foil Oh, oh, <laughs> so I, I agree with you, though, that the CGI holds it back because then yes. you compare that to Rings of Power with a Rondier going head to head with a live actor for minutes without hardly any background music. It's fantastic to watch and that. I will yeah. say like there and obviously the difference is, you know, nearly 10 years in CGI, but the, like in that Arondir sequence, there is a moment where he becomes like CG for a second. And that same thing happens with Legolas here where yes. it switches to a CG Legolas when he's kind of, when he's, I think it's when he's fighting two those orcs. two orcs. Yeah. yeah in and the it, background, he becomes CG. It, it looks a little rubbery, a little Spider-Man-y like uh, doing yeah. the, the, the wall crawling and stuff. Um, and I agree it's a the choreography is cool and it's a cool action set piece minus the CG holding it back. But, you know, taken in a vacuum, it's great. But in the context of what is happening with everything, it's like, did we need to take, you know, the few minutes for this fight sequence? Uh, what is it doing for the story? See, this thing is that I don't need the smog action scene, like have them sneak totally. around, yeah. do the the smelting and lure hit, lure smog in there. Sometimes I'm OK with this this orc stuff, because like we we do need to pick it up. We do need to address like that bulg is still tracking the the, the dwarves and, you know, uh, Toriel and stuff like that. I like that. So I can do without the smog action scene. I'd rather have yeah. this one because it is well choreographed and there is like. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about it last week with, like, Toriel, like, I'm going to heal him, and just, like, rubbing her hands with the king's foil, like, just pressing it and saying some elvish incantations. like, oh, you could have done better with this. The, the okay. line, the, the line read when she has that moment of hesitation and uh, Beaufort comes up the stairs with the king's foil and she goes, oh, Athalas. And yeah. he goes, what are you going to do? And she goes, and cl- like clutching the the king foil, oh and she's I'm like, going save- "I'm going to save him." It's it. such a weird read yeah. on that line. Like she becomes like, oh, like wistful or something, and it's like, I I don't but get I it. I don't get you're the getting directed to do that. That's the problem. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's not like she's a bad actor. She's no. getting told say it like this, and I'm it's sure. so. Yeah. So this is why I can't handle this sequence because it involves. Keely trying to touch her hand, saying that she's an angel, that surely she can't be there. Do you think she could have loved me? I want to gouge my eyes out. It does go on a very long time. It it's, does but go it's on a very cheesy long time. from the beginning. It's cheesy from the onset. So I just want to live in a world where that doesn't exist. Please. It anyway. is, yeah, relating again to the Star Wars prequels. It is like Anakin, are you an angel? Yeah. Like, oh, it, it has those oh. vibes. It, it does. It really does. And I, I briefly mentioned this last week. I hate that again. He sees her in the light, uh, the same way that Frodo saw Arwid in the films, because mm. it's not the same thing. But we talked about it last week, so breeze past that. But just wanted to reiterate. I hate that. Yeah, not great. I was. Um, I just love the action. <laughs> it is good. It is good. It just again. I for me the whole time I was like, let's just get back to Bilbo. <laughs> Just yeah. want to see more Bilbo. I don't want to see orc fights. Yeah, Martin Freeman does have that star power. Yeah. Um, I, that's all the Lake Town stuff, I think. Yeah, that was it. Like he, she heals him, and then like, and then we have we do get a one cut away to Bard in prison. 
because uh, he's like right, he's got he the black captured. arrow, and then he just gets arrested for being barred. They literally just say right, that, right, 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 yeah. right. And then he gets put in jail, and he, of he course gets... Alfred's the one that catches him, like Alfred and, and, and the, the master, master yeah. gets to hit him on the head with a with Which a. Which the master would never do that. No. Also, that would literally kill him. That was a pointed <laughs> two by four, like to the forehead. He's dead. Um, I don't know, but the master is uh, sustaining himself on a diet of only balls, so he probably yeah. didn't hit him that hard. That's so actually, actually probably accurate. Extremely. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, but he says, "Like, oh, do not know what's coming," which everyone should know. Like, it's it's pretty loud. Uh, and then I am fire. I am death. What have we done? Cut to black. Ed Sheeran, sing me home, baby. Fire. Oh, Miss Behind of the Mountain, low. Oh, just like I, I don't, I don't care what you say. Just the first time I saw that in theaters, and it cut to black, and his hauntingly beautiful voice started serenading me. I got chills. It works. It freaking works. I, I liked every. I liked everything that's just left of center i like the left of the dial i like i don't i pretended to not like taylor swift in the backstreet boys when i was a kid so i don't like it when things they're just way too polished but you're totally right that it works and it's and what this whole movie series is riding on is exactly what you said earlier that you have middle earth covered glasses rose colored mm-hmm. glasses that it is solely coasting on the fact that we know this story already and like Peter Jackson's telling of the Lord of the Rings in order for you to get chills to the end. Otherwise you're walking out of that film. Yeah. I and think. It's in, in the same way that if you were to play the track, the um, uh, into the West track that Enya, Enya does, or is it Annie? No, Annie Lennox. Annie Lennox. Um, oh, so I, Enya does. I, Enya does one of them, uh, but into the West, Annie Lennox. Um, you were to just play that in isolation to anybody, they'd be like, this is pretty cheesy. But in the context of you remembering seeing it in theaters and it hitting you in that moment after you've been on this ride, you hear that song and you're like, hell yeah, this gets it me works, pumped up. man. It, so I feel you. So before we launch into the, the final film of this trilogy, where we have two more episodes of the podcast in the rings to, to chit chat and, and disagree, what's your overall like rating of this film? probably a 6.5 right and for those 6.5 is the one scene with smaug <laughs> yeah so if we're so that's out of 10 i'm guessing yeah so I, if we're going on a scale of 10 for me this is like a 4.5 5 out of 10 so slightly less than you've been because it does have redeeming moments and there's some good stuff in there but that especially this back half uh, it's rough. when we get it's to rough. lake town it's rough except for the smaug scene Mm-hmm. I, I was hoping for it to be much better because we because Alex and I stopped in the middle and you know you were talking about how Smaug's the worth the price of entry. I didn't expect to cringe as much as I did with certain things and and so I, I don't know that I could rate it low because I just enjoy it and I will watch it again and, yeah. and it'll be fine. I'm actually really curious to watch the theatrical cut. I feel like this feels tedious because I'm beginning with the extended version. Yeah. I do um, recommend the theatrical cut. They it's it, it is like they cut a lot of fat out of this movie and I hate to say that about anything Middle Earth, but there is a lot of fat and you will see next week that there is a whole lot of fat on Battle of the Five Armies. Oh man, that's oh, upsetting. Yeah. Well, and and just like if it, <laughs> 
I will reserve until I see it because I, I can understand how it wouldn't there. It's hard to redeem it. Even if it is middle earth, I can understand that. Um, especially if we get more Alfred, I get it. I understand. <laughs> yes. Oh, and we'll talk about, yeah, we did. We got to find of where the halfway point is of like, maybe like probably when the battle starts, I guess, cause there's quite a bit yeah. before the battle starts. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll get to there when we get there. Looking I don't forward to I want to spoil anything. Nope, you can't. Please don't. This is such a joy to do this with you, gentlemen. And in, our audience is coming along for such a journey. Uh, thanks for being here. Uh, Alex, anything you want people to know about? It's a okay. very general question. <laughs> um, ben, anyth- what's, what's the link to your Patreon? Uh, everywhere at the Ben Goddard, guys. Uh, at Twitch, on... Uh, Twitter, I, I suppose, uh, Instagram, TikTok, Patreon, everywhere at the Ben Goddard. Go check it out. Yep, you're doing cool things, and you're always streaming uh, on Twitch. Both Alex and I are doing that too. We've finally gotten back into the swing of things after the new year. Alex, what's your Twitch handle? Twitch.tv/solkatu. I do music sometimes. I do gaming, Lord of the Rings games sometimes, Minecraft, Magic the Gathering. So. You're very special. I think you're wonderful. And very I'm, special boy. He's such a special boy. Oh, I shucks. like him so much. Uh, and I'm uh, at twitch.tv slash Jessica Nerdy, or you can go check out my coffee page where there are multiple different ways you can interact with me, including letting me tell you how improv will increase your relationship skills. It's mm, true. I know. Okay. I know. I'm doing a seminar. Uh, I think it's just $25 a ticket, and it's going to be, like, lightly interactive, and you get to learn how um, you can increase the success of any relationship with just a little bit of improv. Um, Alex, what are the different ways people can figure out what we're doing here? They can follow us on Twitter uh, at Pod of the Rings. They can go to Instagram at P-O-T-R Pod. If you would like to support the show financially and pledge at one of our various tiers, you can go to patreon.com slash pod of the rings or email us at podcastoftherings at gmail.com or just go to podcastoftherings.com and find all that stuff in one place. Oh my gosh. And we still have yet to find the person that's the one to rule them all, which at $100, they're going to get a shirt that says, I am a $100 Patreon member of Pot of the Rings, and all I got was this lousy shirt. So uh, I don't know why anyone doesn't want it, but they'll get it right? eventually. I saw <laughs> You get to be the one. The you one. Might not, you might not be someone's one, but you'll be our one. Um, so what, what did we say last week? Um, many roads to get to the way we're going. Yep. Nailed it. (laughs) And Ben, you say, and and until then. And until then. May our roads meet again. I like to eat batteries. (laughs) 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 